0: Who also went by the name Tanya Head. This case was the topic of a documentary titled The Woman Who Wasn't There. So first I'll look at the background of this case. I'll move through the timeline of curious events and then offer my analysis. Alicia Esteva Head was born in Barcelona, Spain on July 31, 1973. Her family was wealthy. When she was a child, she was always the center of attention. She was the only girl of five children. She was described as sensitive, jovial, and pleasant. By age six, she was making up stories about imaginary boyfriends. She had difficulty separating reality from fantasy. Head would spend time at exclusive country clubs, playing tennis, riding horses, and sailing on yachts, but her life was not without difficulty. She was bullied when she was young for being overweight. When she was 18, she was in an automobile collision. Her right arm was severed, and had to be reattached. In 1992, her father became involved in a financial scandal. He, as well as Head's brother, would serve prison time for their involvement. Head developed a particular interest in American culture. She loved Americans. Head attended college, worked for a hotel, and later worked as a management secretary. When the September 11 attacks occurred, she was in Barcelona, enrolled in a master's degree program. She eventually graduated with an MBA. She traveled to the United States in 2002 or 2003. She was using the name Tanya Head. She formed a support group for 9-11 survivors. She claimed to be a survivor, even though, of course, she was not there on the day of the attacks. The next year, she joined the World Trade Center Survivors Network, and after a few months, the network merged with her support group. Head repeated a particular story about what happened to her, This is something that largely stayed consistent throughout the time she was pretending to be a survivor. These are the claims that she made. On 9-11, she worked for Merrill Lynch and was running a meeting on the 96th floor of the South Tower. When the North Tower was hit, she started making her way down the South Tower. She had made it to the 78th floor when United Airlines Flight 175 slammed into the South Tower. She could feel the heat of the burning fuel, smell her own skin burning, her right arm and back were burned. She was thrown through the air. When she woke up, she realized an assistant of hers had been decapitated. Head was rescued by a man named Wellis Crother, a well-known hero from that day who saved as many as 18 people. Her recovery in the hospital was lonely and brutal. Another part of Head's story was that she was engaged to a man named Dave. He was killed in the North Tower. In later versions of the story, Dave was her husband, so we see some inconsistency. She talked about this picture-perfect, unofficial wedding in Hawaii, how Dave was the love of her life, they were perfectly matched. We see this whole tale of romance. Her story had quite an impression on survivors. Many of them described it as realistic, dramatic, and inspiring. They felt as though Head was a good representative of the survivors. She was a widow, a burn victim, she had an amazing story. They believed that she really understood them like no one else could, and found her to be incredibly supportive and helpful. She attended a number of events related to the World Trade Center survivors, she spoke at university conferences, she led tours at the Visitor Center, she met and was photographed with people like Rudy Giuliani, George Pataki, and Michael Bloomberg. By using manipulation, she was able to create doubt about the leadership ability of one of the Survivor Network board members and get herself elected to a new board position – president. The New York Times was working on an anniversary piece in September of 2007. They tried to verify certain claims that Head had made as part of that story. This was all routine. Head claimed to have an undergraduate degree from Harvard and a graduate degree from Stanford There was no record of these degrees. In addition, she said she had worked for Merrill Lynch, but that company said she did not work for them, and they didn't even have offices in the World Trade Center when the attacks occurred. Head started dodging reporters. She wouldn't talk to them. She canceled scheduled interviews. Her whole story as far as Dave started to fall apart as well. Even though Dave was a real person who was killed in the attacks, he had never met her, much less become engaged to her. On September 27, 2007, she was removed as president of the Survivor Network. During her time impersonating a survivor, had donated money to various causes related to survivors. She did not earn any money, so no financial crime took place. As a matter of fact, no crime at all took place. She was lying, and for many instances, that is a protected activity. After her membership was revoked, she disappeared for a while, She was spotted in New York City in 2011. She has never apologized for her behavior. I'm an American vigilante. I have a question for you. What would you do if someone you cared about was abducted, taken from you? Would you call me? Would you care about how I got them back? (sighs) Download American Vigilante now. culture and some fun listen to fruit loop serial killers of color on spotify google play apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts now moving to my analysis there are several elements of Head's story that i would like to cover here first head didn't just make up a typical survivor account like she was in the world trade center the attacks occurred and she exited That, of course, would have been terrifying enough, but she made up an incredible story of survival, bravery, courage, and loss. It had many layers, her injuries, her recovery, her isolation, her new life mission of helping other survivors, and the loss of her fiancé or husband, depending on the version, in those same attacks. In addition to the dramatic story, she wanted a position of authority and respect among the survivors. It wasn't good enough to be counted as a survivor when she wasn't one. Even the survivors weren't noteworthy enough for her. She wanted more. She wanted it all. There's something quite unusual in claiming to be a better victim, which should have made people suspicious. She wanted to be a leader. She aggressively responded to those who doubted her story. She was manipulative, as I indicated. Some survivors were afraid of her, like worried she would get them alienated, among the other group members. Second item, Head told her story in a dramatic fashion, so it wasn't just the narrative, it was how she delivered it. She said the hardest experience of her life was going to the memorial. She wondered why she survived. She wondered if she was special. She made other survivors feel as though their story was insignificant, like they didn't even belong in the group if somebody like Head was in the group, right? Like their story just could not reach the level of her story. She claimed that she saw so much suffering that it was better for her to keep some secrets. It was her burden. I think this was something she did so she wouldn't have to explain more of the story and potentially reveal more inconsistencies. She said she would spare the survivors the details, essentially becoming an even bigger hero for containing her pain. The dramatic nature of Head's story actually led some survivors to become quite protective of her. Moving to the third item. Even when Head was clearly caught when the New York Times started figuring things out, she would not admit what she did. She dodged the reporters. She explained that she was not a U.S. citizen. That's why she didn't want to talk. She even had other survivors contact the New York Times and try to get them to back off. She tried to act as though her mood was getting worse. She was attracting more sympathy to attempt to counteract the scrutiny. Toward the end of her impersonation, she changed her story. Now she said she was just in New York for the day, and she only knew Dave for a few months. It was too late for her to repair her story. Her deception was already out there. So what could be going on in a situation like this? There have been many people who have pretended to be survivors of traumatic events. Some people have pretended to be war heroes. There are many impersonators out there who want to be part of a group that had a challenging experience. They like the attention. They like people recognizing how much they suffered, how much they sacrificed, how strong and inspiring they were to survive. A common thread appears to be a real commitment to deception that starts when they are young. One of the theories here is that many of these individuals are narcissistic. That is, they have personality characteristics like being self-centered, arrogant, manipulative, deceptive, and they have a sense of entitlement. When they were young, they were given a lot of attention, they had status, they felt important, but then something happened that changed everything, that threatened their ego. Perhaps in this case, it was the motor vehicle accident and or Head's father and brother going to prison. They can't cope with the loss of the status, so they create a fantasy world, or they take a fantasy world they've already created and push it to the forefront. They struggled with the idea of being considered ordinary. They need to be special. They need to be recognized. It doesn't matter what they have to do to get that. In the case of Alicia Esteva Head, she repurposed the injury to her arm and created a noble explanation. She just wasn't injured in a car accident. She was injured in a terrorist attack. Now her pain had meaning. Now her pain could make her great. Instead of bad driving or whatever caused the accident, she was the victim of an organized effort. There was somebody evil to blame. The difficulty of this type of desire is that it cannot be satisfied. There is no level of recognition that's high enough. The impersonation keeps expanding. Some of the lies are just plain unnecessary in order to achieve the recognition as a survivor. For example, Head claimed that she worked for Merrill Lynch and had degrees from Harvard and Stanford. Those lies served no purpose as far as being a survivor. She just wanted recognition for being special in other ways. She wanted to build on her recognition value. The whole story with Dave was unnecessary as well, but she wanted the glory of being an even greater victim. She had the ideal love, the perfect romance, and lost it. It was shattered in a moment of terror. Head tried to tame her lies at the end. To minimize them in a way that she could have done in the beginning to reduce her chances of being caught, but it was too late. The deception had solidified. There was no way to reframe the story. In a way, it's an analogy for narcissism. Even though it can improve over time, even though some narcissistic traits can lessen in severity, it does tend to solidify. The person is trapped with a need to be something they are not. The last item I'll cover here is something I saw in the documentary, A few times. We see survivors who thought it was cruel to question the story that Head was telling. People felt awful for thinking that she might be lying. I think the lesson here is that skepticism is always acceptable. To believe someone who claims to be a survivor when they are not can also lead to harm. It can take away from the legitimate experience of real survivors. Nobody can be above scrutiny simply for making a claim, right? So, we have to continue to work toward the truth. Sometimes that means uncomfortable questions. It's simply the nature of trying to find the truth. So, people can come up with all these different dramatic stories, and the more dramatic they make the stories, the more protection they get, at least for a while, from scrutiny. So, it encourages people who lie to lie big, to really make up these incredible, fanciful stories with a lot of pain and suffering so that the skeptics will remain at a distance this has been true crime psychology and personality from ars longa media this content is for educational and entertainment purposes only ars longa vita brevis OhioMysteries.com